Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. There she is. Hey, buddy. There she is. Miss Miss America. America. We're starting off strong today. It's me, baby. <laughs> Miss America. Why not? I am like, <laughs> I am like in as comfy a position as I can. Possibly you look be. very comfortable. And knowing what you've been through the last couple of weeks with work and stuff, like I feel yeah. like, Joel, that's the way you need to be this Sunday morning. I was actually, that's interesting you bring that up. I, uh, I was talking, I was just talking to Kirsten about it. We read some books together and we were talking about that. Like, this rehearsal process has felt more, um, less ego driven, mm-hmm. you know, less, less frenetic, less chaotic, less, you know, there's not like this wild buildup. And then it feels like, you know, the tornado blew through your town and destroyed yeah, yeah. everything. That's legit. That doesn't feel like that, but there's still like this residual, like ugh, hangover of like, well, you, I mean, I, I was commenting to my daughters who were driving down last night that like, it's been really cool to watch you go through this process this time because it was the, the week before, like the tech week, mm-hmm. you were a lot more, um, you were a lot less stressed out. <laughs> so I'll say that. Yeah. And kind of even keeled. So I can see that. Like there's, of course, there's a, a, a little bit of a post show uh rap yeah you know uh, let not let down but like down rush or yeah, yeah there you go yeah it's like it's like uh yeah you don't realize how much your mind and body and spirit has to kind of generate its own energy mm-hmm. and it has to put a bunch of stuff aside yeah you know <laughs> i i get that and so mm-hmm. it's like when it stops <clears throat> there's a few things like it's like slamming on the brakes a few things fly into the front seat right like, the old the old uh the mcdonald's hamburgers and right. or the, the wrappers the, the old the, fries yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that uh that bill that i put off is in the right. back seat that's right now it's on your lap yeah then hey remember me yeah right mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i appreciate you saying that and ha- uh, welcome to the podcast everybody We're trying to be better yeah, you find us on instagram whatever but i appreciate you say that <laughs> I appreciate you done this in three weeks. So I know to catch up on. uh, Yeah. But I appreciate you noticing that because I felt that. And, and I, I think that I was, dare I say, aware of it while it was happening. Whoa. (laughs) In like a self-congratulatory way or not in a, a... (laughs) no, just in a, like, Oh, noticing this feels more easeful this mm-hmm. feels less well I remember, there was a time there was a time when having to drive to lincoln to find the right coffee pot for a set would have been a whole thing oh my god <laughs> like it would have just been like i gotta go to lincoln i gotta get this coffee pot and it has to be the right one and where am i gonna find it and should ah. yeah and that just didn't happen i talked to you i remember you're like hey, i'm going to lincoln i gotta find a pot, coffee pot yeah and I was like, I was oh. looking for a coffee pot. Yeah, it was great too. Very nicely, nicely done. The set was fantastic. I can't take credit for the set. I, I, I do need to, you know, 
that's that's an interesting point is that i think over the years i was talking because we had a, we had a respondent come to respond to the show last night and mm. we were in my office after the show because we have to award some students so we sequester ourselves in the office because there are ears everywhere in that theater they can hear everything all the time yeah, yeah. and he was like noticing all the show posters on my wall and i was like damn i've gotten to direct some really cool shit some of that i was present for and some of that i was not present for right <laughs> you know and I get that it, and it's still the work still stands but i think for this one like bringing up my scenic my my colleague and scenic designer um, this has felt more collaborative, not because I intended it to be more collaborative. Mm-hmm. It's that I let go of a lot of other shit that was not my business to control Whoa. actor choice, actor choices included. Mm-hmm. And I think that as an actor, who's kind of been guided towards directing, there was a time where I was directing them because I wanted to direct all of my actors to act the way I would act those parts Mm -hmm. and not giving them space to act the way they think they should right or Mm -hmm. wrong, Mm -hmm. allowing them to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Well, they all did great. Yeah. I I thought each individual character and I I was kind of chuckling to myself. um, I'm kind of sad that we didn't get to meet fucking Mandy. (laughs) The sixth character. The, for those of you that are <clears throat> playing a lot at home, I directed a play at the university I teach at called A Bright New Boise by Samuel D. Hunter. Sam Hunter is the same playwright who wrote the screenplay and the play The Whale that was recently. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Oscar. that. Yeah, I, yeah. It's definitely not the feel good hit of, you know, the summer. Ever. But, uh, anyway, so, yeah, there's this. They it, it all takes place in a break room at a Hobby Lobby. A couple <laughs> of scenes are outside. Yeah. And there's this one, you know, it's like, but if you've worked retail, there's you know, always a Mandy. Yeah. There's always a man. fucking Mandy, fucking Mandy. And there's a Leroy, the yeah. guy who oh, totally I was, te- was, <laughs> I was, I, was I telling you, uh-huh. I was telling somebody, I'm like, when I worked at, when I worked at that fucking, uh, uh, urban outfitters in Burbank for a while, I didn't, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. When I first moved oh, out boy. there, I worked at an urban outfitters in a Starbucks, right? Corporate. I knew uh, the Starbucks, but I didn't know urban outfitters. So I was part-time at both and there was a Le- there was a Leroy. There was a guy who worked and received all the shipping and yeah. had to like do all the logistics of that and intake, you know, do inventory and, you know, make sure it went to the right departments and stuff. And he was kind of a, you know, a, a, a very loving troll in the background. Right. Yeah. But he was very good at that, but he was also a pain in the ass to be around. But he sure. was so good at that, right? That they just let him do it. You well, know, I was I was chuckling because I've spent more time than I care to think about in various retail environments. Yeah, and one of them, uh, when I worked at Super Saver, I was mm-hmm. like, I was an assistant produce manager, so I was moving right up. You know, for sure. Um, <laughs> there was this guy I can't remember his name, and I didn't supervise him, so I really didn't give a shit. But uh his dad had made him get a job. He's like a gro- He was like a cardboard puller at super saver. Yeah. And his stated goal was to not do anything. <laughs> walk in and kind of walk around carrying a box cutter, but not ever actually pulling a box. Yes. And that was his, like, he told me that. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. And he was a genuinely hilarious dude to be around. 
And so I, I just thought he was awesome. He's like my kind of my hero, you know. I uh there was a time in my in my theater student days where we were, you know, we had we were required to go strike the set. And uh I think the way we do it at my university is better because we don't strike the set until a couple of days later. At my university, when I was a student, we had to strike the set the night after closing, like yeah, yeah. well into the night, right? right so it yeah. was like, and if I, if you were acting on a show, you were doing the show and then you had to get out of costume, take your makeup off and then strike the set. Pull light, strike the set, like take apart shit. And I was like, fuck this. You know, that was my attitude at the time. Right. Yeah, I yeah. would not promote that attitude now. But I found, I found a sweet spot of walking around looking busy that's that's an art yeah that is like, absolutely an art that's a george costanza is what that is totally you grab, grab a couple an impact pieces of pa- drill grab a couple pieces of paper and look stressed out yeah and people are like oh my god what's he's really getting after it <laughs> and so i would tell people like watch this i'm gonna i'm tonight at strike i'm gonna not do actually anything but i will look like i'm doing everything yeah yeah and how'd i go well, maybe, you know, I, right. I feel like uh, if I caught one of my students doing that shit, I'd give them the business. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> well, let's just say you can't bullshit a bullshitter. No, that's why they can't get it. They can't they can't get one past me. That's why um, I can't wait. And I hope it does. I really hope this doesn't happen. But there's a possibility where one of my kids comes home and their eyes are all red and they're you know smiling a little too broadly. Yeah. <laughs> what have you guys been up to? Hey. Hey, hey guys. Do you guys, did you guys see the cops outside? I think there were cops outside. Are there right. cops outside? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, thanks for coming to the show, man. I, I, uh, of course. I really, I, I think that oh, another thing that I, I, I learned finally, um, and I think it relates to like my, my statement about, you know, as an actor trying to get the actors to act the way I would act a director's job is not to do that. And I really was, I was trying to remember that. I'm like, my job here is to block the show, have decisions about the overall look, make decisions, but also let the artists be the artists. And it really did feel more collaborative, but I I think the ease came from, I'm just going to block the show. I'm not going to, I mean, yes, I'm going to give direction. I'm going to let these actors figure it out and I will shape that. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna block the show and have some thoughts about how it looks and let everybody else do their job, good or bad. And Amazing. That is a that's a new because when you're <clears throat> full of fear and ego and insecurity, you can either hide from it all or try to control it all. And right. I think I have been guilty of both. But mm-hmm. I think the times that I've tried to control it all, I. I'm, I don't think I've ever crossed the line into being a total fucking asshole, except for maybe once. Um, once isn't bad. That's pretty good. No, I, that was actually interesting because I had to like, that was the first show I directed at Doan and I actually had uh, like a meeting with everybody and we sat down and we, and I kind of had them take my inventory and it was really healing. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that the show doesn't go bad. It's just I am left on a Sunday after after the show closes feeling like I got hit by a bus. Right. And I, and I don't feel that way today. And I think that that's an overall good lesson to everybody doing cool things in the world, whether it's stocking shelves at Super Saver or directing plays or running IT programs or whatever. Like, 
find well, that's, that. I mean, that's the, the, my understanding of being a good manager leader type person is that, you know, surround yourself with people that know more about things than you do and then let them do their jobs. Yeah. You know, or yep. people that need a little bit of guidance and direction, you know, maybe a little yeah. rough around the edges, but then, I mean, let, if you find somebody that's like passionate about a thing and yeah. that thing is something that happens to align with your goals, mm-hmm. then let them run with it. Yeah. I, the, the biggest, I, I, I've never had this experience happen. And this is a, a proof to me that some of the things I was trying on this one was working despite me. Well, one, uh, on tech Sunday, I had two students say, yeah, this is the first tech Sunday. I haven't felt like strangling somebody. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's good. Great, I'm doing, I'm getting out of the way enough that it's a healthy environment. Good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe removing my ego made it that way. Good. Could be. Uh, and the other was, uh, the essentially final dress slash preview a student group asked me to come speak because they were asking for money from the student Congress and they wanted a faculty there to kind of bolster that possibility of them getting some help. Mm-hmm. And their meeting was right at curtain time. And I'm like, sure. So I, I went over to my stage manager. I was like, you guys, you got this. She's like, I got this. I'm like, all right, I'll be, I'll be late. Start the show. Like I didn't need to be there to pace around to make sure and control something I can't control anyway. Hey, I can't hear you, Steve. Did you go away? Oh, no. Steve has been silenced, everybody. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. Oh, boy. Am I back? Yeah, that you saved everybody. Because I was about to recite Hamlet for the next That's okay. That's good. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Sorry about that. I adjusted. What happened? I touched something. <laughs> I made an adjustment and it broke everything. Why can't I touch it? Why? That's a touch my tutor. Oh, I was thinking of the buzzcocks, but you went straight from the buzzcocks to uh, touch ween. my ween. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Touch my tutor. Smoocher. <laughs> I. Mr. Will You Please Help My Pony came up on uh, my favorite lists uh, yeah. playlist on Spotify last night on the way home. Oh, yeah. That's just the weirdest. Ugh. It's not as weird as spinal meningitis got me down. It's, no, but it's just as creepy. Yeah, it is. I listened to all of chocolate and cheese one day last week because it just it just came up. Like, I'm, I'm going to dive in. And that, that I was thinking, like, this might be the best album ever. It is. It is. I think. I love all, I, I do appreciate all of Ween's albums, but I uh-huh. think that Chocolate and Cheese is just the sweet spot of everything. It that. is kind of, it's twisted. It's completely like, it just ma- it makes me like, feel icky, kind of. But it's so also so good. It is. It's great. Yeah. And like Tear for Eddie, forget about oh, it. Yep. It's amazing. Don't shit where you eat, what Dina was talking about. I mean, those are the, those are the golden greats right there. You can't, he can't talk because he's a pony. I think it's his lung. I think it's his lung. <laughs> he's tired and he ain't getting up. <laughs> Between that kid and the kid asking if he was going to see God. <laughs> Am I going to see gonna... God, mommy? 
<laughs> oh no. That's all it takes for Steve and I to, to totally spiral out from, <laughs> from actual spiritual helpful principles. It's just just one ween reference and we're off. <laughs> Completely off that, the tracks. That is the power of Boognish. That is the yeah, that's the spirit of the ween. Yeah, right. Oh boy. Yeah, but I really okay. So back to the thing. Like I yeah. really identified oh, I identified with everybody. And the there was a little bit of a turn at the end there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, oh no, he's still very much entrenched in that mindset. So without I, spoilers, I you know. Do you think it was okay? So this is this is something I really should have asked the respondent last night. Maybe I didn't really want to know the answer from him, but uh <clears throat> do you think that he was all he always had that fire that that was all along or the results of his being rejected by his son caused him to go back to what he always knew. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a complicated question. I don't know the answer to it. Cool. I, I don't, I like, I didn't really understand that he was actually rejected by his son, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess he wasn't really rejected. They were no. kind of on the, they were on the way to mending things. Yeah. But it, it was, it was actually Leroy that kind of got in the way of that. Right. I, I, yeah. That's kind of like, I felt like, but then I also, see that was, cause that's what I was feeling two thirds of the way through the second act. It's like Leroy, man, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about for once, you know, like I felt yeah. like Alex was right, you know, yeah. yeah. when he teed off on him, like you need to yeah. shut up. You don't know what's yeah. going on here. This is my dad. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And then, but then when, uh, Will gives his little end of the world. Your life doesn't matter. You work at Hobby Lobby and go to a bullshit church and we're all yeah. going to die. And, you know, yeah. some of us are going to ascend and you're not and all that crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, that I was like, ooh, yeah, Leroy might have had it dialed, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't know how um, I mean, that was really intense. And uh, mm -hmm. when he went on the fire and brimstone and all that and. Mm -hmm. Um, beware of the quiet ones, right? And I think that the actor who did that uh, really kind of crafted that because he's pretty timid and calm and sort of reserved. You see these little bursts of things. Mm -hmm. well, he, it, he went to 11. Yeah, I took it to 11. It was great. Mm -hmm. I was really kind of blown away by that. Oh, a quick little aside. You know what the most harrowing part of the show was for my daughter? What? Has a touch of arachnophobia. Yeah. Uh, partway through the second act a spider was walking across the stage toward her oh my like a pretty god good size, like a quarter size spider oh she no elbowed me like tag spider oh and no like, and i look up and it was right there i mean it wasn't like i think that might be a spider. no it was a spider walking towards francesca <laughs> well and the, uh, the 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 remote control spider robot worked yeah yeah show. yeah fortunately it turned around and started walking back towards like the lockers and it might have gotten stepped on by somebody because then I kind of, but like from that point on, she had one eyeball in that general area. She was keeping an eye on that damn spider. <laughs> and I've been saying for years, like, it's not going to eat much. Like, it's fine, you know? Yeah, right. But well, uh, what, a, what an interesting thing, though, that like <clears throat> you can have, you can spend a month and a half preparing, rehearsing, have all the mm -hmm. lights and sound mm -hmm. and, and all of that. All that. And, all it takes is one spider. small spider to take somebody and take pull all the focus. All the attention. Yes. 
Like that was I, happening kind of during one of the outside scenes. Uh-huh, oh, it uh-huh. started. The spider started. There was something going on in the break room, and then they went outside. But like, so they're off to the you know stage left, and I could yeah. see her eyeballs. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> one looking stage right, one looking stage left. Yeah. <laughs> I, apparently there was a moth flying around too yeah i saw a moth that's awesome <laughs> moth wasn't a, 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 a cause of concern but the spider most definitely was yeah yeah well i think i'd feel the same way it's like what do i do i can't i i the, the my instinct is to to kind of squeal and run but i can't do that i'm sitting in the front that. row 100 <laughs> percent. i mean that was like that was like the vibe like what do i do yeah i'm like it's fine it's gonna unfortunately it turned around like right at that moment so that you know it was kind of like whoo but then we have to watch it to see where it goes so it doesn't launch a sneak attack yes yes because they'll do that yes one minute you think everything's fine next thing you know spider it's like uh what was it last year i did that show two years ago damn that show um at the lead center the the bonhoeffer show oh that was great the night before opening, so it's our preview night, and I think they were doing photos. It was like photo call, and there was a couple invited guests. Um, I'm downstage left giving kind of one of my more emotional scenes, and a bat got into the – and a bat dive-bombed <laughs> my head. And sta- actors off stage knew that the bat was kind of flying around because they were in the previous scene. So they were in the wings taking a – video and there's a video of me just like downstage left giving this emotional speech and this bat comes dive bombs like maybe two and a half three feet from my face and i kind of flinched but i stayed in the moment like i'm like that's my fucking training right there i can do it (laughs) i can do it bats be damned bats be damned Uh uh-huh you you call that a bat (laughs) (laughs) come on god give me your worst that's right you want to get nuts Let's get nuts. Get nuts. Oh, man. Yeah. I well, really I... also related to the, and I forget the character's name, but the Hobby Lobby manager person. Pauline. Pauline, yeah, because I've known a bunch of Paulines. That... And, I, and, and the thing, and the thought that I had related to the overall context of the production was that the Hobby Lobby was her grace. That was her saving like she obviously by her demeanor came from I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but that she came from a background that where like being a store manager to Hobby Lobby was a big fucking deal. Yeah. And yeah. she was very proud of it. And she saw yeah. her opportunity to, uh, you know, ascend. Yeah. Yep. And that that was her heaven. And the, and come by God, you're not going to mess with that. And, and I, I've just known a number, I mean, I've, like I said, I worked in retail for a long time in various mm-hmm. whatever retail industries. And um, I've just known a lot of people like that, you know, where it's like, th- I can do, I can do, this is my lane. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I can, I've worked at, like when I worked at fucking, even at Starbucks, even at McDonald's back in high school, like I remember thinking like there was a manager who, who ran the McDonald's and he was very he was very, he had a lot of pride in his work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But it was like, I remember thinking as a punk ass 16 year old, like loser, why the fuck do you care about this so much? Like this right. is, you know, but it was yeah. just a paycheck for me. I didn't care. Right. 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 But it, for him, it was like, this is a career. Like I can move, yeah. you know? And I was like, yeah. and thinking about it now as a 43 year old, I'm like, 
you know, we all have our lanes where we mm-hmm. can affect, you know, pride and all that stuff. And, and other people think it's bullshit, but that, yeah. Like, and the fact that the play and this, this is, I think something about the playwright and Ryan, our, our respondent last night pointed this out is that that could have easily been written as a goofy character mm-hmm. who just came in and yelled mm-hmm. at her and yeah, just yeah. laughed. It, it like very just been calm. comic relief. Yeah. But she had moments where she was like, when I took over the store, it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And I, you know, and I worked my ass off. Yeah. And was rewarded for it. Yeah. It and I a- also relate a lot to her like love hate relationship with corporate. Cause that's yeah. always, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 Fucking corporate. Yeah. But it's also the hand that feeds her. Right. It's so like, she hates having to do the get out the big conflict resolution. That was so funny. That was one of the best things I've ever seen because anybody that's ever worked in that environment knows that manual or a manual like it, you know? So a little word to the wise, I was kind of, I was the prop. What does that mean? Word to the wise. I don't know. What does that mean? I've always thought it meant like, this is something I'm going to say. And the wise ought to listen. Oh, okay. Word to the wise. Word to the wise. Got it. So okay. the of the foolish would ignore it. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm using that phrase correctly, but anyway, word of the wise. Um. Uh, let the truth be known. Uh, so I was the de facto props master for the show, even though I didn't list myself because I don't, I don't know, because I'm a punk and I don't want to fucking whatever. I don't, I don't know why I didn't own that title because I did the work, but. One afternoon, I'm like, well, I was using a, th- I, I was like, we had a three ring binder. It was kind of, you know, maybe a two and a half inch binder. And I was like, you know, it was a f- old photo album. I'm like, this does the job. Right. But I'm like, no. So I got on Amazon. I got a four inch fucking binder. <laughs> and I, and I went down to the props room and I just pulled the most random ass piece. I punched all these papers and uh-huh. put them in there. And then uh-huh. I found this like spiral notebook that was slapped in there. I'm like, this is the manual. It was perfect. Conflict resolution manual. Yeah. And it, it said conflict resolution policy 2019 because they, she's not using the most current one. Right. Right. Like there's always a, there's always an update. Right. You know? And so I'm like, anyway, I'm like, and I, and I told her, cause she was kind of like not really letting, she was trying to, when we first brought that prop in, she was trying to kind of hide the fact that it was a, chaotic nightmare uh-huh. and i said no no no, no i no, no. made that to be chaos chaotic like, nightmare if papers fall out if it doesn't open right if you don't like that's the problem Roll with, with those manuals yeah so just let it be a shit show and when she did that it was like hilarious dude i almost fell out of my chair i was laughing so hard because it was so because i i know that exact scene because yeah. i know how frustrated she is because i've been in that position it's like right. god fucking damn it you idiots this is not what we need to be concentrating on right now but because you guys have this, whatever it is, now I got to get out this fucking manual and we have to have this fucking conversation. Yep. So God damn it. Shut up yep. and answer the, you know, like yep. I've done that. I've had to yep. have that conversation. So good. It was so perfect. I felt, I felt that entire moment so much when I was working at the custom computer joint, I'd take yeah. over this crew of, you could have made a screwball comedy out of that place. Um, <laughs> So it had all the characters and it was a fucking nightmare when I took over and uh but there were these two guys one of whom was probably a sociopath and we ended up firing him but uh because he was just uh, head case but the because of that the rest of the crew delighted in fucking with him 
Oh no. Cause it was so predictable and easy and fun, you know, mm-hmm. to get him to spin out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but there was one guy in particular that particularly delighted in it. And I was pretty new, but I was like, I could tell, like, this is the first thing that has to stop, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went into an office that was empty and I took two chairs and I put them right next to each other in this little, like kind of corner. So you had to touch, right? Oh, You're yeah. physically like sitting so close to each other that unless you pulled everything in, you were going to be touching. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I grabbed, and those guys were starting to get into it. I said, you two office now. And I put him in there and I sat him in those chairs and I just stared at him for about 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And they're yes. sitting there and they want to kill each other. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yep. And I, I said, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to punch out and you're going to go across the street and you're going to settle this right now. Nice. Either that or you're both going to get up from here and you're going to go back to your workstations and you're going to build the fucking computers. What's it going to be? Total Pauline moment, man. That's straight out of that show. That's what I'm saying. That's what I did. Like this ends now one way or another. I don't care. But if you guys get up from this chair and you go back to your workstations, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to build the computers. Perfect. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> I fucking hate conflict resolution. I fucking hate. Well, because like, we don't have time for this shit. Yeah. I that just, was, I, I really, that was one of my favorite moments is like a boss manager person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it just dawned on me too, that the playwright used a corporate term for a playwriting problem. Like those two things are one and the same. Like oh, conflict resolution. <clears throat> yes, these two characters are having a conflict, right? And the perfect device for that is a corporate conflict resolution manual. That's pretty meta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad that like I took that, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. It was I had totally nothing else to it. do. I'm like, I'm gonna make this prop. If you would have just, if it would have just been like a, a little paper thing, it wouldn't have, yeah. not would not have had the effect, right? Because the conflict resolution manual is just, is a bigger shit show than the conflict itself, right? The conflict resolution thing is the largest, most cumbersome thing in the corporate <laughs> office, right? Because, <laughs> and they've spent there's meetings upon meetings upon meetings to make sure that manual is right, but it's really just. How do you help two people resolve a conflict? So the corporatization of it is to make an un- ungodly large manual. Manual <laughs> that nobody's actually going to read or update no. or no. That's I mean, having worked in large corporate retail management uh, and so, like that's just a never-ending process. Right. It's just a nightmare because <clears throat> you spend all your time shuffling papers that nobody's going to read. Yeah. Yeah. Or but care about it's the policy, man. We got to do it. The policy, yep. Why are we doing this? Because that's the policy. I'm then just the policy is going to need to change. Well, so, so we need to send all of our manager staff on a weekend workshop to update the <laughs> conflict, conflict resolution, resolution manual. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Oh God. Then uh, yeah, so there was Pauline, and then Anna. What a like yeah. she I was asking Francesca, I'm like, did anybody was anybody in that were any of those five characters like uh not morally or not morally, but like I mean nobody's perfect. 
It was very, everybody was pretty complicated. And she goes, well, Anna was pretty nice. Yep. Like Anna was just a sweetheart that got, you could tell that her home situation was shit because yep. anybody that has to, you know, sneak to stay in Hobby Lobby so they can read a book so they don't get made fun of. Yep. She was just trying, you know, she was a total sweetheart. <clears throat> I I have some thoughts on that. Do you mind me spoiling everything? No, go. So everybody is trying to save something except mm. for Aunt. Anna is trying to save Will by l- asking him that one line where she says, Will, you can just believe in something else. Like right. your beliefs. I've heard that. Right. You can just believe it. You can just choose today yeah. to let go of this. And I really do think that her, I mean, I love her like, hey, just come to church. It's just fine. We it's never more than an hour. Yeah. We have a, we have we ice have cream. Food. We have we have ice cream. We have a you know, we, there's a youth group. There's a gay right. couple that comes. Like it's yeah. not a big deal. Like right. it doesn't need to be the end of the world. And that's what triggers him Ooh. to freak the fuck out. Yes. Is her does. is her actually embodying a Christ consciousness of just be a part of a community. Yeah. Let go of your attachment to all this. So, mm-hmm. and, and I never said this to any of the, I, cause oh. I didn't want it to be over the top and maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe I should have, but I, it, it got to be more human because I didn't, I think mm-hmm. was that Anna was trying to save will because oh, she, reads, she reads his blog and it's like, yes. my favorite part is that part where that, you know, he, he, he can let go of all that stuff and be saved and, and, and mm-hmm. it's too late. And mm-hmm. she's trying to tell him like, it's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late, dude. Don't go off the deep end. Yeah. And you he, can start, you can start over right now and I'll do it with you. Cause I think you're awesome. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And Boy, it wasn't a lot, like a lot of allegories there. Yeah. And she's not like trying to, it's not like, Hey, Hey, I want to be in a relationship. She's like, I'm just a friend yeah, and you yeah. can be a, you can be a part of, you can be a part of this. And I think that that is true Christ consciousness that yeah. will, will is trying to play God and destroying the world because of his yes. mistakes. And yes. she's trying to get him to be a part of humanity again. Mm-hmm. And that's actually Christian values. Right. Hobby Lo- like the, the hobby lobby policy that we all think is like infused with Christianity is just run by ego and Pauline um, the anti-Christian sort of punk Leroy that's fucked the world is mm-hmm. actually really not trying to invite anybody. Will's right. or Alex is so anxiety ridden that he can't be a part of something. Will is so stuck in his own ways that he can't be a part of something. The only person that's actually embodying true community is Anna. And she yeah. suffers for it. Suffers for it for sure. Yeah. Hmm. That was the, that was the other thing. Right. Boise, everybody. Yeah, Sorry, right, what? New Boise. That uh, it hit me especially at the end. The now, now, now. Yeah, like wow, that's a little self willy. Yeah, will. Yeah, self will. Run riot. Mm-hmm. Like if you destroy the world now. Mm-hmm. Okay, destroy it now. Mm-hmm. Destroy the world now because mm-hmm. I can't be in myself. Mm-hmm. So take everybody out. Like, I was like, whoa, yeah, that's, there's a lot happening there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to work with a guy that uh, believed in rapture, mm-hmm. believed that it was coming soon. His judgment cometh pretty damn quick. Yeah. And he had, he 
HR had to get involved because he had no problem telling basically anybody that was within four feet of him that when the rapture came and it was coming that they, that you weren't going to be, you weren't coming along for the ride, but he was. Yeah. And uh, it got to the point that HR had to pull him aside and say, if you, you need to stop that. Yeah. Cause it's becoming a hostile work environment and people don't want to be around somebody that's telling them that they're going to die because they're <laughs> not Christ-like enough or whatever. Like you need to, cut that shit out wow mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. i i really related to to this one and I, I don't know if that moment really landed as much as i wanted it to but there's this one line in there where leroy says like hey you know i tried to believe in what my parents believed in you know and he said like all of that fire and brimstone armageddon shit just gave me nightmares I, mm -hmm. I literally, I think I can trace back my first real panic attack to trying to process the idea of rapture and the end of times. And am I going to get into the country club or not? That's so horrible for a kid it's to really, have to think about that for even a second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like That's you're horrible. You're, you're, you're 10 years old, 11 years old, and you're sitting around thinking, well, am I good enough? Right. Yeah. Am I good enough? Right. Did I say the right thing. Yeah. It's like, oof. Yeah. Right? Well, and don't forget. I mean, look at the crucifix. You did that. You did that. You did that. Good for you. Are you <laughs> proud of yourself now? Did I have we had the funeral conversation? Uh, I don't think we have. I went to, I'm not even going to get into the logistics of it, but I went to a funeral where. The pastor stood at the pulpit and his opening remarks, like during the homily or the sermon or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say this exactly, but I'm not, it's been a while. So, but he said, basically the deceased is dead because they sinned. What? That is the wages of sin. Death. That's how he opened up. That, that's what he led with? That was the opening salvo. <laughs> and I went, what? <sighs> that's what he led with. Your, your beloved deceased, dead because they sinned. That's what happens when you sin is you die. <sighs> and it eventually wound its way around to, but you don't have to worry because Jesus has saved the deceased they're with jesus now i'm not I've, trying to and i thought go to hell i was literally like go to hell yeah well i mean i was trying hard not to laugh like you people yeah. like do people believe this shit yeah <laughs> like, right what this is ridiculous <clears throat> it made it made it made catholicism catholicism look positively warm and fuzzy <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like well, with Catholicism, at least there's a process, right? Yeah. Like at least there's a <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's, or, there's a there's a very a, well documented process. There's a script that you yeah. can follow here, right? Oh gosh, yeah. It was it was just this moment of like, are you like that? You're deranged. Yeah. It it's now I'm not. 
I'm not trying to disparage anybody out there that believes these certain things, but when you when you have that as the central focus of a message where people are grieving the right. deceit, yeah. it, it it's like a it's like a ill-timed commercial for mm-hmm. your fear-based product. 100 percent yeah. shame-based product. Shame. So much shame. I mean, because that was the that was basically the message is that by extension we're all dead too yes without jesus and i'm like well i don't want to have anything to do with that also it's just it's it it puts this sheen of magic over something that is very a part of our life which this was not this was not magic this was abuse yeah it's abuse you're right absolutely it was just it was just abuse is what it was it's taking something that is a very natural part of our human existence is right. the awareness of our own death mm-hmm. and, and just injecting it with shame mm-hmm. and guilt mm-hmm. and fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the three horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what an opportunity to say, yes, our time on this earth is brief and you know, it, it, it maybe even the circumstances of that person dying were not ideal, but we can all talk it about was a, she had a wonderful life. So it was a, 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 a giving and I'll, I'm going to use this. I hope in proper context, God fearing person. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Trying to do the right thing. So nice lady, but she still fucked it all up. Cause she died. Like that's a the, natural the proof. The, the, the proof that she was a sinner is because she died. I mean, how how total is that? Well, the also the fucked up thing is that that is the only thing you can prove is that this person died, right? That death right. happened. You cannot prove that some deity is now saved her, but that's what you're going to hang oh, your hat see, on. Is that's the that's the mystery of faith. Oh my god! I'm gonna <laughs> choke on my microphone. <laughs> I just don't. Oh, goodness. I mean, I, I, I I shouldn't say I don't understand it. I mean, I was raised with a lot of that messaging. Right. But I guess the older I get, the more I see that, like the ability to really welcome and recognize our death and every, and other people's deaths is actually freeing. hundred percent. It's a, that's a freedom. Yeah. That's the most natural. That's the most like our birth and our death are the things that we can count on the most. So why would you paint that with this evil? Like it's to, to manipulate people. It, it, ugh. <laughs> like that's... I spend, I spend a lot of time watch. I mean, one of my most relaxing things to do for the shows that really just make me feel cozy are cult documentaries. So I was watching one that's, recently. That's one of the many reasons why I love you. It, oh, it, I found one and was just it, this one. It, there's this one on, on <laughs> HBO max right now that I, it is, I told Kirsten, I was like, thank you so much for finding this cult documentary. It is, it hits all of my pleasure centers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called um, love mm. has love has won. I think. Um, and it's about this really mentally ill woman who claimed that she was god mother god and anyway anybody gets the chance to watch it's great 
but the inherent message in a lot of cults is this idea that um, there is something fundamentally and inextricably wrong with you. Yes. You need to do exactly what I am telling you to do in order to transcend that wrongness. Yes. So by that rationale, Steve, I don't understand how that message is not cult-like by, by continuing to keep someone immersed in their own shame and guilt all the time, needing something outside of themselves that they have to put an immeasurable amount of unseen faith in to save them from, and nobody ever sees how that works or how that doesn't work, and denying the reality of what's in front of them is that life expires Mm-hmm. And that's that's as good and natural as you can get. Death frightens people. That's what it is. They we've death become so disconnected and afraid of our own deaths that we have to put this spin on it to to de. To- well, and I, you know, I'm not a theological scholar, but um, I mean, the Catholic Church in particular has been around for a while, sure, and has been through some things, and. uh I think there's some, I guess my not very well formed point is that I think that there's just a lot of, a lot of inertia there from, you know, a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago. I mean, yeah. 500 years ago, 200 years ago. The conflict resolution manual has been updated so many times. We have to, we have to keep it going. I think their power systems are going to keep themselves in power. Yeah. We cleaned up the hobby lobby, right? Like, you know, when we got here, there were, there were, did they, they were, well, I mean, don't look there's in the, still, don't look still, in the stock room. Say there's still plenty of mold in those air ducts. You know, <laughs> don't look in the stock room. There's a lot of rescued uh, child molesters who we've kept from being actually prosecuted. Don't look in there, but everything on the floor looks good. Everything on the floor looks great. Fact, the floor looks the fantastic. Floor. Yeah. The mon, the manual has been Except updated. For the ones that, you know, we had to close some stores because of all the lawsuits. The chip readers work now. <laughs> we'll take i mean the, we'll the, the ease with which we can take your money has definitely improved that's right oh boy oh boy <laughs> we digress <laughs> i i uh i love talk i i appreciate your engagement with uh with the show man i i, I... well i appreciate that you're not making pablum yeah wait what what's pablum like uh you know fairies on a string you know, mm. like you're not redoing not. I, and I love this, but you're not redoing the music, man. No. And I love the music, man. So it's not a dig. I'm just saying what's not to love about the music, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I was I was kind of joking with my in-laws. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, they, it was before. Dinner. I'm like, or maybe after the show, I'm like, you know, I can't really bring myself to direct Arsenic on Old Lace or Harvey. And they're like, oh, we love those. I'm like, <laughs> how can I? How can I Joel Egger all over Harvey? You know, I don't know Harvey. I don't know Harvey. Harvey, uh, it, they made a movie of it with um, with Jimmy Stewart, but it's it is this guy who sees he calls it a puka, but it's essentially a rabbit, and he oh. sees this rabbit that nobody else can see, yeah. and it's a comedy. But I think I think the darker version of of Harvey is that movie Fight Donnie, Club. No, Donnie Darko. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, you need to watch Donnie Darko. Okay. I'm questioning your commitment to Sparkle Motion. The fuck that's is Sparkle line. Motion? That's a line from that's a line from Donnie Darko. Uh, I get your I, Sparkle Motion right here, pal. <laughs> I got all the but, Sparkle Motion you need. 
I, I kind of, I made, I made, I think I broke a few of my students' brains when they're like, you know, something about, you know, Joel, you don't really, I, I can't see you directing a musical or something I'm like, oh, I would love to direct a musical. I would just take it. I would just do, I would really like to direct uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, but put it in war-torn Afghanistan where there's Oof. a bunch of men oppressing women and making them wear burqas and, and make babies. And they're like, oh. and then I'm like, or I would do Annie, <laughs> like the or- little orphan Annie. But I'd like to put it on the Texas-Mexico border right. and, have, and have Miss Hannigan be a a, a, a closeted um, trans person who can't be out. And so the ICE agent, it's a, she's an ICE agent mm-hmm. who at night puts on a bunch of makeups and sings songs to herself and drinks. Oh, that would be awesome. That, you know, you brought up the Kerger Bing Insta- Instagram account. And when you said yes. that, I realized that I had, fo- I had unfollowed it because it was just kind of a lot. But I it's a lot. It. It's a lot. But uh, do you follow the the dis the world of Disney account? Is it like a shit posting Disney? Yes, it's like uh, it's a uh, dystopian Disney basically, and it's horrible. It. It's great. <laughs> it's so it's just every once in a while, I'm like oh my gosh, they really whoo across the line on that one. <laughs> but that's what I uh, like. I figured like if you were gonna do yeah, world of Disney. If you were gonna do anything like that, it would get world of disnipped. Mm-hmm. 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 The thing about musicals though is like the they get really, really particular if you try to adapt them. Yeah. Like I think I think the, oh, the public, you mean... Yeah, if I if I actually did that with Annie, we'd probably get sued. Sure. Yeah. You know? Right. Because it's such a cherished piece of lore. It is for me. I but watched that movie 100%. over and over. I loved Annie. Like I, I, I watched it as a kid. I watched it as a kid all the time. Mm-hmm. There was like this kid within me that wanted to be, you know, like you know, this idea that you're going to get whisked away, away by some, by by some million, like the, you're going to win the lottery or something. Oh yeah. That's, I think that's a lot of kids fantasy. Yeah. But I, I really my, think it, my mom referenced uh, Eliza Doolittle recently. And like, that's a good one too. For sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the context with which Annie came up was like, the depression and like you know prohibition and all of that like there were a lot of displaced children mm-hmm. so it's like it it is responding to the time why wouldn't you put it in a current context of sure of you know refugees all the, all the, today's displaced children correct right well really yeah. dude you could put that in lincoln nebraska for sure for sure you could i mean there's a substantial percentage of kids living under the poverty line in lincoln Mm. like you could make that happen in lincoln nebraska i don't know who daddy warbucks would be peed but he's not that nice well i was gonna make daddy warbucks trump oh and he was just he yeah was just... shitty and horrible yeah no oh. that that the message is that daddy warbucks as a pr stunt is gonna pick up one of Uh-oh. these orphans and yep. and tout it in the papers and yep. then you know the last scene is him just dropping her back off at the orphanage right or or her dying in the Rio Grande. Steve. So well, I her, wonder, parent, her her parents shouldn't have tried to break the law. <laughs> right. Cool. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it someday. Because I don't think <laughs> if you if you don't change any of the lyric if you don't change any of the lyrics or the music and just the aesthetics, I wonder if you could do it. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I well, feel like I feel like that would probably get you sued. It might. It might. But, but it, it would. would it would be awesome though. Would it get me sued, or would it get the my ins- company? Yeah. My, yeah. Well, yeah. So Am that's, I liable? Did I tell you about? Uh, we haven't had the mud pedals conversation. No. Bumping it's time. So I went to see. Okay, so uh, Scott Severn and Stately Holmes, who I love, and yeah. who we're gonna get on here. Yeah. Hopefully soon because they're delightful. Um, but they were playing at the Zoo Bar a couple weeks ago, and uh, one of the best. They were just awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. but friends of theirs somehow they're friends with this band, the Mud Puddles, mm-hmm. and they. Uh, first of all, uh, as kind of an aside, they sound a lot like uh, like the Violent Femmes, kind of the oh, same, yeah. kind of like yeah. the Happy Melodies, really fucked up mental state, you yeah. know, <laughs> three piece, you know, yeah. electric, but kind of that vibe, bass yeah. solo, and and the the guitar player and bass player, they're married for a long time, and then they're and so they were like a they tr- they were trying to be one of the like famous Omaha bands thirty years ago, yeah. I don't know if that was the Saddle Creek scene or whatever. They were trying to make it, I guess. Is yeah. I talked to them briefly after the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, like they were really, you know, like seriously trying to. They were gonna do the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then things happened, and they didn't do the thing. And their drummer moved to New York, and um, well, then the drummer came back. I don't know, in the last year or two or so. And so they thought, well, what the hell? Let's fire the mud puddles back up. Sweet, I love. Yeah. It. So thirty years later. They're playing some of those old songs and writing some new songs. They're 50 years old, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and they were great. That's just, awesome. I, just totally, you know, like right up my 80s kid alley. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that violent femmes thing. And I don't I, I mean, I'm sure that was an influence. But they had other things going on. They could. Yeah. I mean, it was, they were just really cool. But they were they, uh, so talking to his name's Tyson. He's like, it's really nice to like just do this because we want to do it. Not like because without, we're trying to get noticed. We yeah, have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We have to be validated. Right. No, now they, they don't give a fuck. And they just, you know, played to 12 people at the zoo bar. And it was great. <laughs> All original music. And it was really good. We are they, are they playing too. a lot more? Or was that kind of a one-off? I don't know their schedule. I think it's kind of when it feels good for them, you know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But so it's like this: the three original mud puddles back at it again. That's cool. They got the band. They literally got the band back together. They got the band back together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Most people out. just talk about getting the band back together. They, don't they actually... actually got the band back together. Yeah. For them. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's really cool. So that well, was just hope... a little. Let me know if they're playing again. I, I check that out. Yeah. Now were... that I've come out of my rehearsal cave, I can see, see, shit. see stuff. Yeah. Yep. That was really cool. And uh, Scott and Stately are just a real kick in the pants. And, uh, you know, the New York, the person I was, I was talking with Stately a little bit. And uh, I told us that, you know, I had this really fantasized, fetishized vision of, you know, Manhattan and New York, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I've been there a couple of times, but, you know, and she said, honey, her sweetie, the New York that you're thinking of doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah and then and then along the lines of that pathos thing um scott was we were having this conversation kind of while scott was just doing a solo set and uh uh he sang this song called uh, he said i wrote this um on the metro north in october of 2020 or october of 2000 Mm -hmm. and it's called the new york blues and the song had this 
beautiful sadness to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the last line, it was just, it was like, oh, wow, this is really just pretty. And I'm like, why do I feel like crying? You Mm -hmm. know, and uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, and then the last line was something about watching the towers come down. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, is there music out there? Can you? I don't know, honestly. It'd be interesting to share that or listen to it or check Mm -hmm. it out. Yeah, next time they play a show, got to go because it's just really that was a altogether just fun and heartwarming and you know, mm-hmm. it's just cool. So it's nice. it, it was really uh, life affirming, I guess is a good way to put it. I'm into right now uh, a couple of things. So every year I've got to take this recruiting trip to Denver, and I always see what shows are being played. There's not a lot going on when I'm there. There's the there's a uh, dead floyd's playing in boulder and i'm like yeah maybe i'll see that but then there's this other band that's playing and they're called couch and i'm like that I'll, sounds I'll interesting listen. i'll listen to their music it's like this great poppy soul funky brass band popness and i'm like love it 20 bucks for a ticket i'm gonna go Sold. see the band couch yeah i love it so, have you got I'll- your andy frasco ticket yet no but i need to andy frasco omaha waiting room february 15th i think what a way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Hell yes. By destroying yeah. every relationship you've ever had. <laughs> I got to take Kirsten. Oh, yeah. I gotta go, see get, the... go get go get the Frasco going. Oh. She's going to love Andy Frasco. That's, dude, she's going to want to have Andy Frasco's babies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have Andy That's Frasco's babies. I know. <laughs> And you mentioned this in the text thread, but it's so true. Like you listen to his recorded music. You're like, it's all right. It's pretty cool. It's okay. It's good walking around music. It's good walking around music. And then he, you know, he eats an entire bag of mushrooms to start the show. And you, and then by the end, you're mosh pitting with the Havanagila. Yeah. (laughs) And Sean, his band members on the mouth. Right. Sean Eccles guitar playing. And just like, it's just insane. I don't know how they keep that up night after night. Well, I, I love watching their know. Instagram feed because they do like they'll show the insanity of the show, and then the two hours after the show, where they're on the train or whatever, like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> they they are road hard and put away wet, man. Yeah, totally, and loving every minute of it. God, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, that's a lifestyle that I would not be able to maintain. Yeah, that is. I don't know how you afford your rock and roll lifestyle, man, but. Woof. Andy Frasco and <laughs> slow down Omaha, February. Slow 7th. down, slow down. I thought it was slow at the down. waiting room. Slow down, even slow better. Down. Mm-hmm. That's that's a better venue for that. It's a yep. little, well, it can get a little more crazy. Uh, I turn it to 11. Let's do this. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and the opening band for them is Dogs in a Pile. Are they? Yeah, a this was thing? I think something. Yeah. They're okay. ish. Yeah. Okay. I, I've heard of them. So that'll be interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we did it. I think we, we did, did it. it. We did it. It's really nice to see you and to be back. And good to be back. I like to apologize to all of our diehard listeners who I, I've actually had some people reach out to me like, dude. You so, gotta keep them. You gotta we gotta edge our fans every once in a while. Yeah, every know? once in a while. But three weeks is a long time. Well, the, I'm just saying, don't forget us, babe. We're still a here delightful, for you. a delightful eargasm after after withholding. That's right. I'm going to stop. God damn it. Cool. 
Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks yes. for your patience uh, while our lives get us t- crazy. TTBBpodcast at gmail.com for the two people that are still listening and uh follow us on Instagram at uh, trying to be better podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Love All right. you, dude. And if, if you email, I'll send you a sticker. Oh, we have stickers. We need we to really stickers. put I've got a whole envelope full of stickers I need to get rid of. So yes. Yeah. Send if you send us an email, I'll send you a sticker. How's that? Deal. All right. I wasn't talking to you. Jesus. Oh, I'll send an email. Like, I have stickers. Why are you telling me this? Fine. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
forget, toot your hooters.